Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another Only Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 52. In this episode, we speak with Bill Haller. Bill Haller is currently a supervising animator over at Real Effects. He's worked on such films as Surf's Up, Monster House, Hotel Transylvania, The Book of Life, and Real Effects' most recent, Rock Dog. Bill's been working in the industry for quite some time, and so I was really looking forward to speaking with him about his journey into the industry. Um, he's worked both as an animator in the trenches as well as a supervising animator where he's uh, had to manage crews. And so I'm really looking forward to speaking with him about his uh, career, the movies he's worked on, and any insight he has to share with us. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello. Hey there. Hey, Bill. Hey. How are you? Good. Well, glad you're able to uh, to make it on this podcast. I really appreciate your time. I know you mentioned you've been busy, so it's always a treat when we can kind of get you guys for a little bit and uh, talk animation. So, yeah, I love doing that. So, I'm, I'm stoked. And, and cool. it was kind of funny, like you mentioned, like let's do a quiet place, you know, good connection. And and I I told my wife that this morning, and she's like, you know, Bill. We go into work to do this because I, I have two kids that are chaos and, and we just got a puppy. So we quickly turn into that. I don't know if you saw that PC video of the guy trying to conference and, you know, the wife running it. I was literally it just watching it right now when I was waiting for you. I was flipping through it. I came across that one. That was so funny. That, that would have been us today, I guarantee. Oh, hey, that would have been all right. I love kids. So, <laughs> yeah, I do. They're my my biggest fans, actually. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. So first off, like I said, I really always like to thank my guests here. I know you guys are busy, and as you mentioned earlier, family and everything else. So we really just appreciate getting a a little bit of your time here to talk about animation. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, Um, I always like kind of jumping into uh, the background. How, as I mentioned to you earlier, each person is unique and uh, oftentimes paths are very unique and so just kind of curious to see how you kind of got into the industry um were you one that always wanted to get always dealt with art and wanted to eventually get into it or was it something that kind of hits you blindsided later in life um and then maybe how you got your training and maybe some of your first gigs and and into your career yeah um yeah one day i just woke up and i realized i had this great talent for animation and uh applied to disney and you know they (laughs) Well, yeah. The rest is history. <laughs> I'd love to say that, but that is <laughs> so. But the one thing I did at a, a really early age, um, you know, I'm t- like elementary school, early elementary school, kind of had a passion towards art and animation, and um, and kind of realized that I was good at drawing. Um, uh, so the passion towards that wasn't the problem. The problem was I had. A couple other passions towards other things so uh, <laughs> it was for me it was more about directing towards where I really want to go um, but uh, um, kind of early on you know like I said probably in elementary school it was uh, I, I knew I wanted to be either something in drawing or particularly animation or um, monster makeup was a big thing for oh me how too. funny okay because yeah. I mean I was really inspired by like the Henson stuff uh, coming out Gotcha. Um, and uh, Star Wars and Ray Harryhausen. My dad was always had these Sinbad and Jason the Argonauts movies on the background. And Oh, very cool. I would be watching that and, and just be blown away and be like, oh, my gosh, I got to do something like that. That was <laughs> amazing. Um, you know, and then, you know, me and my sister were, were kind of that Saturday morning cartoon junkies. Uh-huh. 
literally like when the schedule came out in September, we would be fighting about the shows and who was watching what and what we're doing. And so it was a big deal for us. Any favorites um, when you were growing up? Well, all the Hanna-Barbera, like, you know, okay. like, yeah, pretty much anything Hanna-Barbera. We okay. Were really into like Scooby-Doo and Captain Caveman. And, yeah, awesome. And, um, you know, so, um, so that was a big part. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, main, the, the, the stop motion kind of stuff was something I started to, to, you know, I really didn't have cameras that I could actually do stop motion with at the time. Um, but I would definitely have these action figures and be taking pictures and, and uh, posing and creating stories and, and things like that. So that was a, a big part of my childhood. Um, and then my, my parents, they... You know, we we would go on vacations almost every year to to Walt Disney World. Wow, which was really it was still when it was kind of affordable to do. I know yeah. <laughs> a couple of years ago, and my gosh, it was like wow, we could have done a you know beautiful we, Italy vacation. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, they would take me there, and it was just a you know for a kid that's a huge inspirational you know playground. You know, so I would come back from there, and I would you know, be trying to build, I remember, um, I was, I would love the Pirates of the Caribbean and out in front of it, they had this little, uh, uh, parrot that would come in and talk to you and spin around. I don't, I don't think they have that there anymore, but, but, uh, so I come home and, and I'm trying to build this animatronic parrot that will talk to us. And, oh, awesome. And making, you know, you know, with fiberglass and, you know, cloth and servos and all this <laughs> stuff. Just love that that kind of stuff. So and kind of exploring that stuff. Well, yeah, and even like ET, you know, I love that movie so much. I, I, you know, my me and my dad kind of took on this project together, and we built this life size ET. Wow. That had, that had a, we, he still has it there. <laughs> and the, the neck would retract up and down. We put a little light bulb in his finger, and you know, he was all because <laughs> we ended up sculpting him, and, and um. And you put this little light bulb in his finger so it would light up. So That's great. A lot, of, a lot of really, you know, just creative childhood, you know, uh, and you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with that. Uh -huh. But I, I loved cartoons and I loved animation, you know. So, um, so I was always drawing. I was drawing my own comic strips, you know. And every time we'd go on vacation, I would have some kind of a, a you know, basically. A, a, a comic book of which was very exaggerated of what our trip was like. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> my parents still have it in our house. I, I, know <laughs> I definitely put a lot of drawings about me and my sister in the back seat of the car driving to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, where'd you grow up? You, you mentioned driving to Florida. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in um, uh, kind of Southeast Pennsylvania, about okay. a, probably about an hour west of Philadelphia. Nice. Um, wow. Okay. Some some major yeah. history there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great. great a great place to grow up. I mean, uh, Lancaster was was kind of the 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 area, kind of known for the Amish people, I guess. Okay. There. In fact, I a couple animators. I I tried to convince that I was uh you know I was Amish and came out of the community and became an animator. <laughs> <laughs> I still do that a lot. <laughs> but I but I'm not. But I, I still <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So grew up, you know, Pennsylvania. I. I uh, I think growing up, I always kind of wanted to. I, I never really liked the cold, so I always kind of said, you know, when I'm 18, I'm moving to Florida or California. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and which I did. So, 
Um, you spent time out here in California? Yeah, I did. Um, uh, yeah, we, um, I, I mean, I was in California for probably 15 years. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. I'm in Texas now, but yeah, um, yeah I, I spent a majority of my career out there. Okay. I hit the 20 year mark in my, uh, my animation career uh, a couple weeks ago. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was kind of funny um, this morning when I knew I was going to do this, just reminiscing, reminiscing back. And if I ramble a little bit, it's just because I'm, I'm trying to remember all this stuff that's going to happen along the way. Um, but uh, yeah, so getting back to, to getting into this, um, you know, somewhere around middle school, high school, I kind of uh, switched gears and I, I just got this bug and it's probably from movies that I wanted to be a jet pilot. Okay. And I think, I, and which is completely different. Yeah. Than art. And maybe it was like, some of the movies at the time, like the Top Gun and, okay. and white stuff, and all that stuff. I got this bug that I wanted to, you know, because I like thrill, you know, kind of a little bit of a thrill seeker. So I thought that would be so cool of a thing to to pursue. So, um, so I started pursuing. Um, I kind of changed my classes in in high school to more instead of art. Well, I mean, I was still doing art classes, but to more engineering and um, aeronautics and. Uh, and started to go that route. Okay. <laughs> um, so much so that I I actually enlisted into the Air Force and uh, and was and was gearing towards that. Goodness. And it's really funny because a lot of lot of uh, you know once I I like to do shenanigans and I like to joke around a lot and a lot of people when I tell them that I was in the Air Force and, and some of the things I did in there you know are, are kind of shocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So. This is why I like hearing this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, it's, one of, it's funny because I, I tend to kind of use this as an example, but our, our head of character animation, Jason Ryan, he was almost going to be an accountant. And so you look and you go, how drastic that is from animation. And yet yeah. here he is. And you're looking at the same boat here where you're going, okay, yeah, to get in to be a pilot, that's nowhere near the realm of animation. So it's just always kind of funny. And that's why I like hearing these stories. Oh, that's great to know about Jason. Next time I see him, I'm going to be like, you know, this animation doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, like, um, it, yeah. And one of the, one of the jobs I actually had in the air force, um, and this is another one that people that really know me, um, would never, be never believe that I did this, but I was in a unit, um, called the presidential honor guard. And it's basically those guys who, um, do funerals at Arlington Cemetery, and, and when you see the president on the on the TV, there's these you know people in uniforms that are standing there, very still and very uh -huh. serious. And, and that was that was the, the, one of the jobs I did. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, it was very unique. It was a very high profile thing for their special duty in the Air Force. Wow! And then I got to be in this unit, um, and you could YouTube it if you want, but the the presidential honor or uh, drill team. And they they have these weapon these like rifle weapons with bayonets on the end. And uh -huh. spin, you know they spin them and do this show and throw them and all this crazy stuff. I've seen that. So you've done yeah. you, yeah, you did that. Yeah. So I for a year in the Air Force, I just traveled around the country and we were kind of the toy soldiers that How were funny for recruiting. What a crack yeah. up! That's awesome. Yeah. I have a I actually have a scar on my back. Is one of the guys lost control of his weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so you have you have proof that you did this and no one believes you, huh? Yeah, yeah I have a war, a war <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> um, you know, as, as I was in the Air Force and I was taking classes, college classes on the side to, to um, you know, get my degree and, and was interested in officer training school and pilot training, I kind of came to the realization that um, being a pilot was, was super, I mean, you think animation is competitive, you know, being a pilot in the Air Force is probably a hundred times harder. Mm. Uh, even though I had the physical requirements, just, um, you know, even if you did make it, there was a chance you wouldn't even have a slot to, um, to be able to fly. And, and I think around that same time, I was starting to get back into drawing a lot. I was taking some uh, art classes on the side and I was doing animation too. So I kind of thought, well, I think I'm going to get out and go back to trying to be an animator. Mm. Yeah. And, and honest, actually, if I'm honest too, like before, even before that, I think what really hooked me, I think it's important for, for even young people to, to understand or to hear this anyway, I, I maybe mean, if it helps them, but what really hooked me is when, when I think it was probably in middle school or high school, somewhere in there, probably middle school, I did an animated film of, um, I, I forget if it was, a, I think it was a, uh, yeah, I think it was a fish. It was just swimming and then it ate something. And it's when I, when I drew those, you know, 24 frames, I learned the 24 frames a second, you know, make, you know, is, is animation. And I drew all these drawings of this fish swimming and doing something and which was great. And then as soon as I saw, I got into a flipbook form and, and got to see it move on film that hooked me. It, mm. you know, as soon as I saw the life come to this thing, and it was I'm yeah. sure it's crappy animation uh, and probably crappy drawings, but the fact that these, you know, these, crappy drawings started to move and emote and, and come to life, man, it just hooked me. And I was like, Oh, I have to do this. <laughs> you know? So that always kind of stuck with me. Very cool. So w when you mentioned you were taking some animation classes, this is during your time in the air force. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, no, it wasn't really animation. It was more drawing classes. Oh, okay. Draw. And, gotcha. and you know, drawing and painting and you know, I, you know, there was local studios where I would, Find, you know, just go an instructor in a painting class and just do it, <clears throat> you know, just trying to hone my skill. Um, so just because I love and, and not even so much to, I just, I just love doing it, you know, and wanted to get better. Uh -huh. So, um, so how'd you make that leap into, I mean, obviously now you have to have the skill set. Did you go yeah, to college so, for that then? Yeah. So then after I got out of the air force, um, you know, I, you know, I, well, first thing I did, I applied to uh, CalArts and, and I, I put a portfolio together and, um, you know, sent it over and was super excited. I, you know, was expecting to start that next semester. <laughs> and uh, that was, and I, I still remember the phone call. Like I, I, uh, I sent my stuff in and I think I waited about a month and I started calling the, you know, the, the, whatever the recruiting office or whatever they call it there. Um, and said, Hey, did you get my portfolio? You know, when can I find out when I, when I come and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And I think this was probably the year that Lion King came out. And, um, and the lady, I just remember her being like, Hey, slow down. She's like, we have 50 slots for the character animation, you know, thing. And we had 30,000 applicants. Oh, it was a man. ridiculous, I don't know if it's, uh, yeah, I, th I thought, I thought I remember 30,000. It was ridiculous. Uh. And she's like, just, you know, we'll send a letter and, you know, if you got in, you got in. And, and unfortunately I didn't. Um, and I just took the letter and I remember pacing above my drawing board and just like, it was motivating me. Awesome. Very cool. <laughs> so, so I kept, so I kept drawing and drawing and, and um, 
But then I started to look for other schools to, to go to. And, um, and that, you know, I had a couple that I was going to that in the Southeast Pennsylvania area. Um, but as I was doing, I was, and I was, I was, uh, applying for freelance work here and there, you know, while I was, you know, trying to find the school and, and still studying. And one of the places I went to, um, you know, I brought a lot of my paintings and drawings in and I, and I don't even know if it was for an animation job. I think it was for more, um, uh, a storybook or something. Uh, but I remember the art director looking at me and saying, look, because I told him I really want to get into animation. And he's like, look, if you're really smart, he's like, the whole industry is changing from 2D to 3D. Mm. He's like, you should go get some 3D training and, you know, you're going to be way more marketable. So I kind of took that to heart and I found this, and not many people, not many places were, were teaching uh, 3D animation at the time. Mm -hmm. But I found this school in, in North Carolina uh, called Living Arts College. And they were, their focus was on computer animation. They, they you know, still taught animation, but they, but they had a high focus on 3D. And you really could leave there with a demo reel with 3D animation on. Mm. So, you know, I went down there, visited and applied and, and got in and, and uh, said, okay, I'm going to go do this. And the thing that was crazy about that was I, at that point, I really had not even turned a computer on. I was a purist. I did not want to be a 3D animator. <laughs> I was like, strictly, I want to do 2D and that's it. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm against this. And man, it was a wake up call. When I went in there and knew nothing about software, I knew nothing about computers and I remember my my uh my girlfriend she's my wife now but she was literally laughing at me and taking pictures to make fun of me like oh there's Bill at the computer and, <laughs> and honestly it was just a matter of time like like once my my you know my 2D instincts and and skills started to kick in I in fact it was a good lesson because I it made me realize that the computer is really just a fancy pencil mm. it's, it's not really that's just the tool you use to create your art. It's not, you know, that's, you know, uh, it shouldn't be overvalued or dependent on, over dependent on, I guess. It's right. So it really taught me that lesson early on. And I, you know, I've carried that all through my career. Very you know? cool. So, um, so anyway, I, you know, got, got to, uh, you know, get training and, um, learn the computer, learn software. I got to learn, uh, the program Soft Homage, which, which mm -hmm. uh, I knew that they made Jurassic Park with that. And uh, um, I think it was one of the only schools at the time that was really gave availability to that program. Mm. It was really great. And so, so I created a short film and then started um, sending my, my work out to everywhere. Um, and uh, I got a bite from this company in San Francisco uh, called uh, Click3X. And... Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what Click 3X was, so that, so I mean, that's basically the way I, I got, you know, got in, got, created that demo reel and that, that's what did it. Mm -hmm. But the um, Click 3X was a company that uh, was an off branch of, a com of a, another animation studio called Colossal Pictures. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Mm, not Colossal, Colossal was a place kind of during the 80s and 90s that was doing a lot of, you know, really edgy independent style animation like MTV all the the stuff that they did usually came from colossal pictures okay, okay. Um, eon flux if you remember if yep. you ever saw those yep. you know and it was really kind of really unique edgy animation and, and mixed medias in, in all kinds of um you know medias so uh 
so Click3x was a company that kind of off sprouted out of Colossal when they kind of, that company kind of got into trouble and kind of disbanded into a couple other companies and, and this company was one of them. So okay. they had, they had branches in, uh, uh, I think New York, Atlanta, LA and San Francisco and, and um, San Francisco was kind of the character animation branch. Nice. So, okay. So I went over there and um, um, it, I mean, it was really kind of, I feel really fortunate to have started there because um, there was really only four of us animators there and we were the kind of the character animator ones. And it was myself, um, uh, Tracy Horé and Jamie Houck, who were um, uh, two, you know, really fantastic leads over at IMD for Zemeckis and, and Carlos Baena was the other one. Oh, how funny. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a, a starting powerhouse uh -huh. in the little, little company, which was really great. <laughs> uh, and, and we were all learning at the same time, which was even better. You uh -huh. know? So, um, and we were doing commercials and, um, uh, you know, product demos, short film kind of stuff, uh, TV pitches. So yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of a really fun place and, and learning, um, kind of a learning venue because San Francisco at the time was computer animation was kind of just kind of starting. So, um, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of events and, and things where people were, you know, willing to share knowledge and right at the same time. So it was, you know, everybody wrote off of each other. It seemed like to some degree. Um, and then, uh, also, yeah, one thing that was unique about that company, um, <clears throat> in our LA branch, uh, they did some character animation down there too, but their animation director was, uh, Steve Martino, who, um, recently directed the Peanuts movie. Oh, okay. Very cool. <laughs> and, and he was a co-director on Horton Hears a Who. So oh, how funny. I would note at the time, you know, all these. What a crack you know, up. I was working with, um, you know, it's amazing. I, I feel like that's something in this industry you should always value the people that are around you because you never know where everybody's going to land or what they're going to do or, you know, that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> that, no, Bill, that's something that actually comes up quite a bit, just about how small of a community this is and that very thing um, that you never know who you're going to end up working with, you know? And so uh, I really appreciate you bringing that up too. That's good to know. Yeah. Great yeah. reminder. It's so easy to get blacklisted in this, this uh, industry if you really wanted to. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, that was, that was kind of a cool way to start. And, and I know me and Carlos, we were, we were so eager to, to kind of, we were such animation junkies to learn and grow. And every time we could, you know, we knew some people over at Disney working on Dinosaur. And I remember... Hmm. I mean, you know, we, we, we got a hold of a bunch of animation lectures and animation notes. And, and the, the, um, this was kind of before Eric Goldberg did his book and just getting his notes was a big deal. Mm. You know? And, and uh, so we were always collecting all kinds of information and we'd go to lunch and just talk about, you know, geek out over animation. All the time. <laughs> you know, it's so fun to, I, I feel like everywhere I go though, I, I kind of have one or two people like that, that that's all we do is just talk about animation. And geek out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, now so, from there were you there long or I was there, yeah i was there about um i think two and a half to three years something okay. like that it was, it was a nice little jump start and then um the company kind of ran into trouble and um we all kind of you know disbanded one our separate ways and um actually both carlos and i we we ended up landing over at uh wild brain 
Okay. Um, which also was a, was a spinoff of Colossal Pictures. Uh-huh. And um, I feel like that's kind of where I really started to get my animation chops. Um, because it, was, it was one of these companies that was really more of an artist-driven studio. And you had maybe, I don't know, 10 to 20 different directors that were doing different styles that was really unique and really interesting. Um, anywhere from, you know, full-blown computer animation um, to uh, mixed media, uh, 2D, stop motion. It, it was just everything. And, and it was really great. I, I kind of worked, I, I kind of hooked up with a stop motion director that was converting over to 3D named Carl Willett. And um, he was known mostly for doing uh, Hershey Kisses commercials. I remember and, those. And uh, in fact, they still sh- I, they still show the the Christmas one that he did probably thirty years ago. Wow! With the you know the Christmas tree and the bells. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so uh, I, I worked with him a lot. I own a lot of Hershey Kisses commercials and, and other kind of uh, um, commercials. And it it, it was kind of cool working with him because I, I he kind of introduced me to the stop motion community, and which was a big deal in San Francisco. I mean, uh, James and the Giant Peach and there was all kind of done up there at Hunter's Point. And uh, so I got to meet a lot of those people and, and um, before it kind of everything moved kind of up to Leica into London. But um, the, uh, you know, just, just seeing that kind of, that's one thing that I never really got into professionally, but was always kind of wanted to. So uh, just, you know, meeting those guys and talking to them was really great and learning from them. Now, when you say artist-driven studio, how would you kind of define that? Or- well, um, I never really felt at that place that you had a lot of, um, I don't know, studio or producer interference in the, the work you were doing. Okay. It was more the directors who were artists, you know. Gotcha. Okay. The style and the, the notes you were being given. Okay. I never remember uh, on anything I worked there with their having a, you know, a high level producer or, or studio exec saying, well, you got to do this or this or this. Gotcha. Okay. So the, the, the artists were, you know, and, and you know, that varies at, at different studios, but um, I always felt like, you know, you could work with this really cool director and you're going to, and you're going to be able to accomplish his vision without any interference. So. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. The, the only director I, I, I worked with almost everybody over there. And the, the one person who wasn't really the well-known at the time was this guy, Robert Valley. And I don't know if you know his work. Uh, he recently did a short that was nominated for an Oscar called uh, Parasiter and Cigarettes. Really unique style. Okay. And really cool, you know, chic style. And uh, man, I wish I would have actually got to work with him. <laughs> but, uh, but everybody there was really cool. Like it was a, it was a really great place at the time. And it was kind of, I was, when I was working there, it was kind of end of the '90s, early 2000s. Okay. It was uh, it was kind of when the dot com boom was going on, and uh, that area of South Market, San Francisco, was was just booming with all these, you know, all this craziness, all this money, and then everything fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was kind of a cool time there, actually. That's great, though. Wild Brain was really trying to get into CG features, and I stayed there for close to four years trying to to get into, um, you know, to try to help them do that. Mm. And there just came a point where 
you know, I, I just wasn't sure if it was going to happen. And, and so I had some friends that I knew uh, joined or started this company called Giant Killer Robots again in, in San Francisco. Okay. Um, they, uh, it, it was three guys that I think they, they went to school up in New York, two of them with Columbia and one of them at MIT, very smart guys. Wow, yeah. Um, they kind of came up with the technology for what dreams may come. I don't know if you remember that movie. It won an Oscar for visual. Yeah, I, I never seen it, but I mean, I know what you're talking about with Robin Williams, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so they, um, I knew that, you know, these were really super smart guys and they had this little studio and they were getting into features and, and certainly the Oscar, uh, helped them get jumpstart their studio. Uh, and they, they wanted to do more character animation. They were more, uh, effects, but they wanted character animation representation. And, and, um, so they approached me and asked me about coming over there. And, and, uh, honestly, it was probably one of the best studios I, I've worked at. It was a more of a boutique. Mm. Uh, to work at somewhere where the three owners are uh, on the box was was pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah, and uh, and I think they grew up to probably close to two hundred people at one point. Wow. Um, so it, it grew pretty big. They were really close to the ballpark in in uh, um, you know South Market, San Francisco. Okay. And uh, um, you know I went over there. I think for uh, Scooby Doo Two was the first one mm. that I worked on. And, uh, and then stayed there through, um, I, I think I, I think there was four films I worked. I worked, I worked on that one, Blade Trinity, um, Son of the Mask <laughs> and, uh, uh, Fantastic Four. That was okay. kind of a big one that they, uh, they got to work on. So okay. they, well, not their most recent one, but the one before that. Right. Right. So, um, so it was a great experience. I mean, th- working at a boutique like that was, I, I remember one time when, uh, Peter, one of the owners, he, he called everybody uh, up and said, Hey, this weekend, cancel your plans. We got condos for everybody at Tahoe and we're all going just for killer. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So we all just packed up and just had a, a fun weekend. <laughs> I love like Tahoe. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> my, my wife was pregnant at the time. So we kind of, you know, we're bound to the sledding hills. <laughs> <laughs> But still, it was really fun. So that that was a really great experience. Um, we had a small animation team for the features, and I was supervising animation. But it, it was more in the visual effects world. Okay. And what I was really driving towards was more feature animation, you know, full-blown animated features. So mm-hmm. um, probably, I think it was around 2000, end of 2004, uh, I found out that uh, Sony in, down in L.A. was kind of getting their self going into a – uh, Sony Pictures Animation. Mm. I they had done Stuart Little, and you know I was pretty blown away by the you know, the quality level that was that was happening there. And then um, uh, one of the I think one of the recruiters that or one of the producers that I had worked with at Giant Killer Robots moved down to ImageWorks, and and just emailed me one day and it's like, hey, you know they're they just started this this spa company. We have these you know two great producers from DreamWorks, Sandy and Penny, that kind of started it. And, you know, if you're interested in features, there's some really cool projects coming up. And I was like, all right. And I went down and interviewed and just, I, they were starting this film open season, which completely attracted me right away just by the lines. And uh, interview went well and, and I jumped on board. Now you mentioned that you really enjoyed working at Giant Killer Robot. Was that tough transition out? I mean, or was it just because, hey, this made it easy for you because this is where you wanted to eventually 
get into? Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough question there. I mean, cause it was tough in, in some ways and then easy in other ways Okay, because I knew that's where I wanted to, to head towards. Um, it was tough in that now I had a wife and two little babies uh, in a house in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, whenever you move and, and go to a new city and that kind of stuff is always really tough. And just the relationships you make at studios. That's right. what I love about this business is you go somewhere, you know, you meet these, you know, exceptional people, amazing people, and you're with them for a film or two. And then you, you know, a lot of times you move on somewhere else and, and then you meet new amazing people. <laughs> but, but it's always hard, you know, um, you know, leaving whenever you're, you are somewhere where you, you feel a little comfortable. Gotcha. I mean, one, one of the festivals I love that's, that's started to happen in the past few years is CTN. Yes. Um, only because I get, to me, the, I'm, I'm usually working at that, but a, the things I like about it is that I'm meeting, it's almost like a reunion with all these people that I haven't seen <laughs> yeah. in so long, or maybe only see once a year. Uh-huh. You know, I, like I know last year we went and it says, it seemed like three or four times it happened that there was this big, you know, yelling and hugging and laughing yeah. in the center of the, you know, the expo area, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just jump in as they, they hear it happening. That's great. I love it. To me, that's always really tough is, is, uh, you know, you know, or whenever somebody leaves the studio that you're at too, you know, you're, it's always tough. Yeah. That's why I guess I was just asking. So, yeah. So in 2004 ish, you were working on at Sony with open season. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, spring of two thousand five is when I made the jump over. Okay. There. And that, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a big. It was such an interesting time um, then because it, Open Season was just one of the films they had in. They had, uh, I, I don't know, there might have been five other films going at the same time. Spider Man Three was starting to happen. Monster mm-hmm. House was going on. Mm-hmm. Ghost Rider was going on. Um, and then there was a bunch of other films in, in development at the same time. So um, the recruiting effort that happened at that time was remarkable. Like I've never seen so much of a melting pot from so many different studios, you know, kind of converge mm. at that time. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you know, it wasn't just, you know, feature animation it was, you know, more the visual effects side and, and other places Okay. and studios all over the world, you know, were, people were coming there from, you know, for what was happening at that time. So it was kind of a cool time. Neat. Yeah. How was your transition into full character animation? I, w- I would love to say that that was tougher than it was, but it, I mean, to me, it came pretty natural because I, I'd always been studying that type of animation. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and, you know, even like if I go back to when I was, when I was in school and studying animation, there were kind of three books that, that I discovered at that time that really, you know, hit the mark for me. Um, one, one of course was the illusion of life. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, uh, I mean, I think I, I bought that book at Disneyland mm. and I, <laughs> um, it's a nice place to buy it. Well, I know. Like I, I just saw it laying there and I, I was like, Oh, this is an instructional book. And I think I'm, I'm, it was when I was in high school and uh, the, the guy at the counter was like, Hey, so that's a, that's a, serious book you're buying there <laughs> but you know now i know why like uh-huh. that, i discovered what was actually in there and it's still a book that i honestly to this day i you know I'll, i think i heard this from uh, james baxter talking about it once how he rereads that every couple of years wow 
And uh, I don't know if he still does that, but at that time when I, I heard him say that, and I was like, man, I should be doing that. And Just and great I, reminders, huh? Yeah, and it's, it's amazing because even now, you know, I read, you know, every time I read that, I feel like I learned something in there and I'm like, wait a minute, I, I know I read this before. <laughs> I wasn't ready for it. You know, like uh-huh. there's something that it just, you know, now it's clicking in because I'm more experienced. I, you know, I didn't really know. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's time to reread it again. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys, I mean, you know, uh, you know, Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnson, they wrote that when they were, they were pretty old and they were yeah. a ton of experience. So I'm sure there's a lot of stuff in there that, you know, even if you've been doing this 10 or 20 years, you might, you know, still have something to learn. Yep. So, um, but anyway, there was that one. And then Seamus Coolhand wrote this book called Animation from Script to Screen. Hmm. And um, I read that and it, what was great about him, it, it, he talked about how he got into the business and then he talked about his process um, starting an animation all the way through and, and how a film is made and the things, the challenges, the things you got to look out for. And, uh, you know, and this was at Disney. So it was a, you know, a, from a feature animation perspective. So I really got to learn, you know, and this, I mean, this is pre-internet. So, I mean, you can learn probably all this from podcasts and interviews. <laughs> but at the time it's like, you, you didn't know how it worked inside of a studio, how, what things you have to encounter. And then he described that in this book. And so it kind of prepared me for the things I really need to learn and, and study. And even in my animation, the things I need to be looking for. So, I mean, he talks about contrast in there and in animation styles. Um, and yeah, so it was great to learn as a beginner. And then I think the, the third book that I remember at that time was um, The Natural Way to Draw, which is a very old book, this guy, Nicolades, and uh, just the power of, uh, of figure drawing and learning gesture, and, and which really taught me line of action. Okay. Because he a lot of like he was teaching how to do proper figure drawing, but his focus in the beginning of that was so much on gestures that I didn't really real and I and I was and he was ch- telling you to draw four hours a day every day. Wow! And I was like, man, how do I even do this? And, and you know, I can't hire a you know live nude model for this. But but I was drawing every day all the time, and and the gestures I was doing was teaching me line of action, which is came in later. And one, I think his first statement in that book, I think it's his first really hit home. He said, he said, everybody has 10,000 bad drawings in you get started. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That makes sense. It's like animation too. You know, you, you know, you're not going to nail, you know, you're not going to come out of school and nail it your first try. You probably have to get some of this bad stuff out of the way. So right. Right. Always be practicing or always trying to get better. Yeah. Yeah. My brother Daryl and I have a background in wrestling, and so I came across a, a video on on YouTube about one of the wrestlers that was kind of during my time, just very very talented wrestler, international level Olympics and stuff. But he had mentioned as a coach now he's trying to get his athletes out of the, particularly at a younger age, you know, high schoolish and stuff, getting them out of the win lose column and yeah. concentrating more on improving. And it wasn't that they don't try to go out there and win, but the idea is that they're focusing more on improving. And as they did, those wins would come, you know, so. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's really good. I mean, that, I, I feel like that's completely applicable to animation. You yep. want to get better, you work on it. Am I improving? That's what, that should be the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and honestly, that, to me, that is the key to longevity in this industry too. Mm. I feel like the people that are, 
excelling are their students of the craft. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like you, you, once you start thinking you have nothing left to learn, <laughs> you know, you're gonna, people are going to bypass you. And you're I right. see it, I, I see it happen all the time and it, it's sad. Like, you know, so, you know, keeping up with the industry, learning the new, you know, things that are coming out, the new softwares and, um, and applying what you know to that and, you know, and trying to improve, trying to get better. Mm. I think it's a key to it. I love what Glenn Keane's doing lately. Now he's in VR doing them. Amazing. Yeah, that's a great point. Here's a guy who, I mean, really, you look at his career and there's nothing really else he could accomplish. And yet VR comes out and he's doing some amazing stuff there. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I hope I'm, I mean, I hope I'm always like that. I, yeah. I'm to, to learn and, and hope I never, if I do, call me up, Larry, and say, Bill, you're stalling. Get Virtually <laughs> smack you around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's like that in animation too. Like you, you know, sometimes you get to these levels um, and, you know, you get a little proud of yourself. You think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I know, I know what I'm doing. Uh -huh. And then it comes along like Glenn doing duet or something and you're like, wow, I know nothing. You know, and I love it when that happens. Yeah. You know? Tangled, I feel like, was one too. Like, I remember when that came out, you know, I, I felt like everybody in the industry was like, holy cow, I need to step up my game. Yeah. This is way better than what's out there. You know, yeah. I think even Pixar is always doing amazing work, you know, probably took a hard look at that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Zootopia comes out and we do yeah. it. Again. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so, um, Still at Sony, you got to work on some very other cool projects. As I mentioned earlier, Surf's Up, one of my favorites. Yeah, you know, I should say, too, like the transition into Sony. Okay, so one of the things I remember, too, um, I came to Sony and was cast on for open season. And I remember, you know, you, you get there your first week, and I'm, I'm trying to sell a house in San Francisco. <laughs> find a place here and start on this show. And they give you a test shot. And, and I remember, um, you might have even done a podcast from the, with him, but Mike Walling was a guy who was, yes, he was and, actually one of my first instructors at iAnimate. Oh, really? Oh, man. Yes. He's a great guy. Yes. A lot of shenanigans. That guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember him like, you know, uh, you know, he was, he was looking at what I was doing and everything and we didn't know each other yet. And he got, and I remember him saying, Bill, he's like, you know, a test shot, you better take that serious because they're going to, they're going to judge you and cast you because of what you're doing on Based that. Based upon that, huh? Yeah. And I was, I was like, oh man, I was like, and that sucks, Mike, because I'm trying to sell my house and I can't put as much time in but I was like, don't worry, I'm going to take it serious and blah, blah, blah. And, and which I did. And uh, I'm kind of glad he said that because I saw some other people that kind of came in and also with, you know. Uh, stressful situations and maybe didn't uh, take the test shots. As as <laughs> so, uh, but so, so, you know, I, I got hooked up with a lead named Sean Mullen, who was actually one of the, the story guys uh, over at Sony too. And, and um, he was a great lead to have because he, you know, kind of mentored me and guided me. Mm. Um, there was also another guy, uh, Chris Williams. He's a blues guy now. And he, um, uh, he was kind of assigned as my buddy and he had been there for a long time and, and kind of helped me get started and everything. So awesome. they, they had a pretty good system of getting some people that, you know, you, you to get under your wing and, and get you going. And I did it, you know, later as I grew in the ranks there. Very cool. So yeah, the transition wasn't too bad. The, 
Um, I, and, but, you know, I do remember one of my first shots, and maybe I was being judged, I guess, but because Renato um, Dos Anjos, who's over at Disney now, he was one of the leads on that show. And I remember I had to do a shot with him. And there was, a, you know, there was a whole bunch of deer in this shot. And, uh, and I remember for some reason that shot just clicked for me and I, and I did it really quick and, you know, pretty low bid days. And I remember him coming over to me and saying, uh, yeah, um, how, yeah, how did that go? Like he, he, I finaled it and then he came over and he said, oh, he's like, Oh, Billy's like, good job on that shot. He's like, that shows a lot. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. But I, and then I thought later, I was like, well, shows a lot. I think I was being judged on this shot. How long am I going to be on this show? <laughs> Renato, he ended up um, being one of the leads on Surf's Up. Ah. So, and then I, I ended up on his team. So I think the the work that I put in at the beginning and Mike's advice kind of helped me kind Focus of there, huh? progress to, to where I needed to Because Surf's Up was actually a, a pretty competitive show to get on at the time. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people were doing animation tests to try to get on that show and um uh you know and good animators and and uh you know i don't know it was, it, it was a tough time like they only had so many slots for animators on that and everybody wanted to be on it because you know it's this great you know mockumentary with right surfing, you know and we have chris buck and, and ash brandon you know directing and it was like oh this is the dream project ah okay well I'll come back to that because i know uh ash is one that you worked on with rock dog yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so we'll come back to that then. That's great. Yeah. So um, so f I felt very fortunate to get on that, and I felt very fortunate to be on, on uh, Renato's team. Like, I learned a lot. Renato shared a, an office with Pete Nash, um, who's also, you know, rock star animator from Pixar and, and, and is rocking the house. Well, he was the, the animal director on Angry Birds. Okay, that's right. I've heard the name. Okay. Yeah, and... Um, uh, you know, it was tough though because with Renato and Pete sharing an office, every time I submit my shot to Renato, I know I'm getting double notes from yeah. others. <laughs> it made me a better animator, and um, you know, it, you know, I don't know. I feel a sense of accomplishment when my shot gets final because those guys are tough. You get yeah. better when you work with them. <laughs> yeah. You had to go through two guards. Yeah, but it was a great experience. The only thing I think I regret about Surf's Up, um, I didn't know Chris Buck before that show and um you know i found out later that that he was the uh anim director on this one of the shorts i love it's probably my favorite short of, of all time um family dog i don't know if you've seen that it was, it was a short that was uh premiered on amazing stories this spielberg show it's i remember a, yes I, I remember that one it's been a bit though it's i mean it's an old i i i'm such an animation geek for old time animation <laughs> but this uh this one was one of my favorites and I still reference it this day to this day for different things because the animation I feel like in design is just stellar and, and even acting choices is really great. And, and Chris Buck was the anim director and I didn't know at the time, but I wish I did because uh, I would have asked him probably a thousand questions. About this. <laughs> 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 um, but anyway, and little did it what I know I'd be working with Ash later. So, that's amazing yeah that's always so funny so ash was and ash and who else was on with surf's up yeah it's it's funny because um when i was when i was working back in san francisco at giant killer robots um the recruiter that kind of uh helped me um or just she left giant killer robots went to sony 
and she she was at Pixar before, and she worked there with Ash. And I remember her telling me, you know, yeah, Bill, you should come to Sony because Ash Brandon's here working on this uh, uh, Penguin movie. You know, maybe you could get on that later. And uh, I was like, well, who's Ash Brandon? She's like, oh man, she's she's like he's like James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was all about because I asked Ash about that later. <laughs> Man of mystery or what? Yeah, but so I already knew like, oh, this is some guy. Like, um, who is this guy? You know. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I told you I tend to ramble sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. <laughs> but, but, um, but anyway, Surf's Up was a great project. I, I loved working on that. Um. The only, uh, probably the only regret too, like I was on the land team. So uh, we were doing most of the, well, anytime the, the penguins were in land and the, the more uh, acting kind of stuff. Mm. And uh, you, there was a whole team that worked on the surfing part. And, uh, you know, the movie called Surf's Up, I wish I would have got a surfing shot. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then all the people in the surfing team were wanting to do more of the acting stuff too. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think it was smart the way it was set up, but you know, that if I had one regret on that show, that was probably good. So was that just for efficiency? So that way everybody who was kind of kept uh, people who were doing the surf stuff, they didn't have to adjust and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, it was smart. And uh, Chad Stewart was the the lead on that team and he was, you know, did an amazing job uh, with all the surfing. So I loved it. Yeah. To, you know, do surfing shots. That's for sure. So, Mm. uh, but yeah, really, really cool experience. So how'd you make the transition over to Texas with uh, Real Effects? Which is where you're at now, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there, I should probably talk about some other Sony stuff too. Yeah. The, um, you know, because I was there for about eight years. Okay, okay. And, um, so, you know, after open season and surfs up, uh, we, we kind of had the, we had kind of a break before the next animated feature. I worked on a couple other uh, shows like uh, one of the stop or the mocap shows Beowulf I worked on. I saw that on your uh, bio there. Okay. Which was, was, you know, which was interesting because a lot of people were uh, kind of against working on any kind of mocap stuff. Mm -hmm. They were doing traditional, um, you know, keyframe animation. Um, But, you know, I took what I could from it. And one of the things was just study. Like I, it gave me an opportunity to really study the face and see what's really going on with the lips, the eyes, uh, as a character emotes. And honestly, like some of the stuff I that I learned there, I took to the next show, which was Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. How oh, funny! Okay. Yes, it was the that you know, little triggers with the face and the eyes that, you know, it, it's still there. It's just exaggerated in a way. That's like, funny. But if you don't know where the origin is coming from, you're you're really missing out. Yeah. Yeah. And I know the, um, you know, the anim director on that was Pete Nash and, and I'm like, eyes were such an important thing to him, you know, in cloudy, uh, you know, I, I remember him saying one time, like, you know, you, your lips in can be off, but your eyes better be right. Like, <laughs> you know, you, that's, that's the most important thing you really got. And, you know, I, I really, um, took that to heart. Uh, okay. So. Yeah, we have uh, one of our games instructors here, um, Richard Lico. He was up at Bungie and now off on another studio. But one of the things that he had mentioned, though, was doing so much mocap. It was that very same thing where he really learned body mechanics inside and out because you're studying. You're studying real life 
body mechanics. So yeah, that makes sense. It's just funny to kind of hear you say where you applied it afterwards, which is uh, cloudy, which is so cartoony. Yeah. I mean, there's stupid little things like even your lips, you know, like when you, when you, when you say something at Sony, they call it sticky lips where <laughs> they, they kind of zipper a little yeah. bit. Edges. And, you know, we, I remember we applied that kind of stuff on the cloudy or even like when the pupil moves to, you know, to up into a corner or something like that, you know, there's a little indentation that happens to the lip. And we exaggerated that a little bit in, in shows like cloudy where How you, funny. You, know, you, you, you know, see those kind of details, but yeah, exaggerate them. Very so, cool. Yeah. And cloudy was a great show. It might be the, my favorite show that I've worked on. That's one of my favorite movies. I think the humor was hilarious. And it was ridiculous. Like the, the directors on that film, uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord, like if you, well, they're doing live action now, but I feel like they're two of the must, you know, if you can work with any animation directors, <laughs> those are the two to work with. Is Chris Miller and who? And Phil Lord. Phil Lord. Okay. I'll have to I look mean, them up. The, um, the Han, Solo, Han Solo movie coming out. Oh, very cool. Okay. So, um, but Phil Lord was basically Flint Lockhart. You know, like anytime anybody would like he would get up and act stuff out and like, oh there's that's Flynn. <laughs> he, you know looks like him and, and completely acts like him so, that's funny you know, so he was uh and honestly you it felt like in in director dailies you just you, you wanted to work to make those guys guys laugh nice was, you know just really fun guys to work with you knew you had a home run then huh yeah yeah so so what were some of the things you learned on cloudy? Cause that was obviously a very different style from what, you know, had been kind of portrayed out from DreamWorks and Pixar and Disney and such. Yeah. And I feel like there was a little, you know, there was a little resistance when that came out because it was so, we looked at a lot of UT, uh, UPA. Uh-huh. Well, actually we started by looking at a lot of Tex Avery stuff in the very beginning of that. And then it kind of moved out of Tex Avery into more a UPA like uh, Gerald McBoing Boing, I remember uh-huh. we watched quite a bit. And just, I, I'd say the biggest thing was design. Like we learned how design and animation can be something entertaining. You know, like, you know, like it doesn't have to, you know, even if a character, you know, runs and with their arms up in the air. Well, what if those arms are just noodling around? Is there <laughs> a kind of... Um, sensibility. Uh-huh. Like, that's one of the things that we were always exploring in almost every shot. There was there was a design sensibility to not only the posing but also the motion. You know, uh, and okay. it was different than anybody anything everybody was doing. Yeah, he, yeah. He holds, and then Pete would say, "Just just put a tiny, tiny little bit of pixel crawl on the end of the hold." Uh-huh. You know, but and and up to that point, everybody was saying you can't hold the CG character in space. Right. But, but we kind of did, you know, yeah. and then Hotel T, which was one of the next ones, we totally did. Mm. And it still held up. Because yeah. Cloudy was kind of one of the ones that seemed to kind of define Sony uh, and kind of uh, niche them out a little bit. Because, yeah, as you mentioned, you went to Hotel T and then even stuff like um, the uh, Popeye uh, yeah. thing that kind of came out and didn't materialize. But just that style where it was like, that's Sony. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like that was a big part of that, of Cloudy, was just that design sensibility and, and levels of exaggeration that were kind of more than what other people were willing to do. Right. So I, 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 I mean, 
I'm sure that Pete and some of the leads knew, but I feel like some of us in animation, we weren't really sure what we were actually doing. At the <laughs> you know, evolving the industry into, because I think we saw a lot more things after that. For sure. Of making bold choices. Yeah. Like, that, that weren't really to be made before a film like that. Mm -hmm. I know there was still other cartoon animation going on, but I feel like this is one of the ones that went mainstream. And I think at this level, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. It was great to be part of a kind of a landmark thing like that. Now, on Cloudy, you were an animator, and it looks like on uh, your IMDb from Hotel Transylvania, you started supervising. Uh, yeah. It says supervising character animator. I felt really fortunate. Like my my um, my lead on Cloudy was a, a guy named James Crosley, and he landed as the the animation director on Hotel Transylvania. Uh. And to be honest, that was the show that. As soon as I got to Sony, I came there for open season. Pretty much the, the first month I got there, I heard about this thing in development called Hotel Transylvania. And all I heard was cartoony monsters. And I was like, man, that is going to work, work on. And then I remember um, one of the animators there, uh, Todd Wilderman, had done this test of this little goblin, green goblin character that was super cartoony. And, um, and it, it was funny because it was hard to find. It was like in some secret spot and, you know, everybody, somebody was like, oh, I found Todd's test. And, <laughs> oh, man, that's incredible. And, and uh, um, so that was on my radar, you know, I think because it took so long in development, you know, I think for five years I kept asking, when is Hotel T starting? When is Hotel T starting? Finally, um, you know, I think in – uh, maybe 2009, 2010, it finally looked like it was going to hit. Mm. And James became the animation director and, and, you know, he called me up, I remember, and said, Bill, I want you to, you know, be on this show. And uh, um, I was like, yeah, instantly, I'm in. And it was really only three of us to start development. Really? Um, in the very beginning. And we did a, a lot of animation tests. Um, it went through another round of kind of trouble and uh, finally, um, and we, all three of us got shifted to other projects for a little spell. And then finally, um, Adam Sandler came on as a voice and a producer. And that's when it really started to get some legs. And then me and James came back on. And then they brought in a director um, who I, had, I, I knew his work. I didn't know his name, but this guy, Gendy Tartakovsky. Uh -huh. and, uh, and I knew Samar Jack and all, and all that. And I was like, wow, this guy's knows his stuff. Um, but I didn't really know what I was getting into okay. uh, when he came on. And, and I still remember us, uh, we were kind of showing Gendy the studio and, and how it works and all that kind of stuff. And, and I remember us sitting in the dailies for another show and um, they showed a shot and the animation director uh, for that one um, was giving notes and he's like, ah, he's like, yeah, that's a little bit too cartoony. Um, and then Gendy kind of leaned over to us and, and he just whispered, he thinks that's cartoony. <laughs> and, and, oh boy, I know what I'm getting into. Here. <laughs> and it was, I was right. He, um, like he knew how to push, like uh. he knew how to go for the bold choice and, and, you know, not mess around. And, uh, and I love that. <laughs> so needed. Um, even though I like, I love the direction that we had before, before we were going on more of like a di more Disney approach. Um, okay. All and, 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 you know, I still have some of the tests that, you know, cause we did a lot of work and I still have some of the tests from that, but, mm. 
um, when Kenny came in, it was, you know, he just kind of turned it over in its head. And he was the first to admit, he's like, there's nothing wrong with that other style. Right. I have a different vision for this. And, you yeah. Know, it can either way, but this is, this is the way I want to do it. Um, not that one's better than the other one. It's just, you know, different sensibilities. Right, right, for sure. But, but he really made us kind of think of things in a more 2D way. Okay. We, we weren't calling frames frames. We were calling frames drawings. Huh. And, and we were, um, you know, drawing over uh, poses all the time. Like, how can this be stronger? How can this be bolder? How can this be funnier? You know, and, uh, and he would get, you know, he, either he would or our character designer. We had fortune to have Craig Kelman as one of the character designers in that show. And he would come in and just draw these outrageous things, you know, over top of our work. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, sometimes the wig wouldn't even do it. And I, I know I'd have to go to some of the animators and be like, sorry, dude, I know this rig does not do this drawing, but this is the drawing we have to hit. Like, <laughs> we have to make it work like this. And, you know, they grumble and then they go back to their desk and find a way, you know. Yeah. Okay, I was going to ask you that because obviously there's – things you can do in 2d that you can't do in 3d and you know, vice versa. So what were some of the challenges there or how, how did you find cheats or, or workarounds? Well, I mean, I think that was it. We just, we found the cheats like you, you know, you draw, you know, you draw it over top of your, you know, your image or whatever you have, your play blast. And, and then you just start manipulating the character into that shape. Okay. And then you have to find ways, and you think about it more 2D. It's like you you have your key poses, and you manipulate the rig, and you know you have deformers and stuff. You can get it there. Um, and then I think the trick is you know getting it from that pose to the next pose, and you know what thinking it more 2 like if I was 2D drawing this, how would I draw this? As I'm okay, you know? that's what I was going to ask next. Is do you have to just get out of that mind frame as a CG animator? You do. You absolutely do. I mean, you have to look, okay, this is a legitimate extreme. If I was 2D animated into this pose and I need an extreme that's drawn like this, uh-huh. I, I need to manipulate the rig to do this. Gotcha. So it, I, I don't know. That's to me, it just kind of came natural because I, I think that way anyway. Okay. I, you know, I know some, you know, some more visual effects uh, oriented animators struggle with that a little bit of, you know, because it's like, well, the graph editor says we're doing this. And, you know, <laughs> you got to ignore that a little bit. Yeah. I guess that kind of even just goes back to I, I, why I'm saying you have to get out of that mindset because you mentioned even on um, Cloudy where you're going, you're taught in CG, you can't have a that moving hold like that or that hold. And yet yeah. you kind of, you make it work. You have, But you have to get out of that mindset that you, the idea that you can't do something. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, the big difference in, in those two films, though, Cloudy was very rhythmic and um, followed nice arcs, and even in, in the motion. So the graph editor was kind of your friend in that. Okay. You know, where, whereas Hotel T was a little bit more designed every frame, you know, and, and didn't follow, you know, perfect arcs all the time. Things were a little bit dirtier. So... Even though it's exaggerated, it, it wasn't as, as clean as far as like the graph editor would be, where Cloudy was. I don't know if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I guess it would depend on the animator, but whether or not they feel comfortable with that, whether you're, you're used to working in the graph editor and everything's kind of, you're tweaking there, I can see where that might be kind of more challenging. Yet, for someone like you, you mentioned 
you kind of have that background in 2D, so you're thinking of it in 2D, so it's a little bit easier for you to, so you just spend more time in the, the yeah, UI. I mean, and then you also have to respect 3D space. So that's, you know, that, that's the other challenge to, uh, to me, that's one of the pitfalls you can do by thinking of it in 2D and, and thinking of your camera view. You also have to be tumbling around and making sure this works in 3D for the, you know, for lighting and cloth. Lighting and cloth and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure. Man, that's crazy. It, it's crazy, but it's fun when it works. It, it, it looks cool. <laughs> I feel like early in my career, one of the things that kept me from wanting to explore 3D animation is because I can't do, at that time, you know, nobody was doing say, freestyle animation. Uh -huh. That's what I wanted to do. You know, I was like, well, the software won't let you do it. You can't, but now you can. I mean, the right. Size of it. Right. You know, like you mentioned the Popeye test and, you know, that, was pretty exaggerated yeah for sure so. now did you have to clean up your own because uh, you know kind of going back to having to deal with things in the 3d space for lighting and cloth and things like that do you guys have to deal with that yourself or do you guys have cleanup animators that would make sure that you know things were penetrating for cloth and all that kind of stuff <laughs> i wish we did but okay no. <laughs> usually what happens is your shot uh, yeah if your shot final is on a Friday, it's due in the pipeline on uh, Sunday night at midnight. Okay. From Friday night. Well, this was at Sony anyway. You had from whenever that thing final for that week. And if it's on a Friday night, you better, you're staying late to try to fix any kind of penetrations. Because what, what would happen is Monday morning, well, us as supervisors, we would go into a meeting where everybody would be looking at that, the cash from that, that shot. Uh-huh. And, you know, you can then when you can see penetrations and all this stuff, and if it gets kicked back, you know, me as a supervisor gets yelled at, well, why didn't you check this shot? You know, <laughs> dirty out of animation, you know, it needs cleaned up. Now we got to send it back. And, and then the animator would have to fix it. Okay. So, so you do have, you, you did have to go through that process of cleaning up, you know, all the things, the mess that you made basically. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, in the final film, um, I, there was still things that I saw penetrating, you know, at pretty obvious places. I was okay. Like, oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> it's out there now. It's like the internet. Yeah. It's out there. So, you know, every film has that. Toy Story has a ton if you watch it. Uh -huh. So from uh, Hotel T, any other ones from Sony that you were? I mean, I worked on it, kind of in between Hotel T stuff. I worked on Smurfs. Um, I am legend. There was, there was a couple others too. Monster house for a little bit. Now things like Smurfs, that was the live action stuff. Did you, was that new for you? Is that interesting for you or how did that play differently from? It was, I mean, it was, it wasn't completely new. Cause I mean, I had done visual effects before. Okay. Taking character animation and integrating it into visual effects. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was pretty, I was used to working with plates and, it was it was pretty easy transition. Okay. Well, plus, um, I did take a break from Sony. I think after Cloudy, uh, I I had an opportunity to go over to Rhythm Hughes, which I had always I heard about the culture over there that was really cool, um, and I I just wanted to see what it was like. And and they were work. I think we were working on a more visual effects film at Sony, and they were, they had a, one of the Alvin movies, which was more character animation. Um, and I decided to, I asked if I could take a break and go over there. So, um, so I spent, you know, I think four, four months over there working on one of the album movies just to see what that studio was like. And, and, uh, that was, that was pretty cool. 
What was the what was the culture there? Well, um, I mean, it was a it was kind of a tough place to work, but it was very like the people that worked there were a pretty nice family tight kind of environment. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and the one of the cool things of Rhythm and Hughes, the owner of that or the guy running the studio, John Hayes, um, uh, or I'm sorry, John Hughes, um, uh, he had this incredible art. 2D art collection that he displayed all around the studio. So I, sometimes at lunch, I would just walk around and look at all these, <laughs> of, uh, um, you know, like he would collect uh, Disney cells and Warner brothers cells and all this kind of really unique art, which was really cool. Like, yeah. Was, so, um, and he, like he was one of the only owners of a company that I sat in a, in a, one of the company meetings and he would stand up there and talk about, and, fully disclosed the financials of the company mm. and asked the artists what they wanted to work on. So I thought that was, he was, you know, pretty cool guy. A little more open, huh? That's neat. Yeah. yeah very, yeah, very open. Um, uh, yeah. But, but after, I mean, it wasn't as refined of a studio as Sony was. So, you know, I, I kind of, and I knew hotel T was, was coming. So I, I went back short, pretty much right after that. Gotcha. Okay. So, Okay, so now let's talk about Texas. How did you get over to Real Effects? Yes. Okay, so after Hotel Transylvania ended, I um, uh, I had been at Sony about eight years, and was uh, you know a lot of the work was going up to Vancouver, and the Sony was making a transition from a studio in Culver City to Vancouver, uh-huh. and. Uh, one of my friends, he left Sony and was headed to Florida to. Um, joined that company, Digital Domain, who was <laughs> going to be starting a feature and a, a feature animation company. And he's like, Bill, he's like, you know, some of the people down there, and like, I'm going to make the jump. Why don't you go? Or, you know, why don't you think about doing it too? And uh, I talked to my wife about it, and we, uh, we had been in Cal- we had been in LA for about eight years at that time. So um, our kids were getting a little bit older, and we're like, well, maybe. Maybe we make a move to Florida. I don't know. So <laughs> we started to get on board and, uh, you know, pretty much when we started to come to the decision that we were, we were going to start to go for this. Um, the guy who uh, was going, he called me up and it's like, Bill, he's like, don't quit Sony, whatever you do. The company just went under. Uh, and, uh, he's like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. <laughs> With a house there. Uh, had left Imageworks and was, I think his stuff was en route from LA to Florida. Oh man. Like, well, I was like, dude, I was like, you know, there's this company in Texas. I know that's starting getting the features too. Um, why don't you think about that? And I was, I was like, yeah, the recruiter was uh, this guy, Robin Lynn, who actually recruited me at Sony. Um, and I, I was like, why don't you call Robin and, and see what's going on? So, so he did. And uh, he was going to, you know, he, I, he was going to come to real effects. They, I think they offered him a position uh, to supervise, but at the same time, he, um, uh, he got offered a job at um, SCAD in Georgia. Uh-huh. And I think his wife was from Georgia. So he said he was taking that. And when he did, he's like, Bill, he's like, you should look at this place, real effects. Uh, since you're, you know, you were thinking about moving out of LA anyway. And, uh, and so, my wife, her parents um, live in Austin, and 
to be honest, she's been, she had been trying to get me to come to Austin for quite a while, you know, so she could be closer to her parents. Um, and Dallas is, you know, it's only three hours north of there. So, so I, I called up Robin and, uh, it's like, Hey, tell me more about real effects. <laughs> so, so he set up, um, for me to meet, he, he's like, he said, well, we're, you know, they're in production for their first feature, this one called, uh, free birds. And he's like, but we have another one that's on deck that I'd like you to meet the director. Um, he's like, it's called book alike. Mm. And the director is this guy, Jorge Gutierrez. Um, and, uh, he's just done this show, the one in it, uh, an Annie called El Tigre. And this show looks pretty cool. And he's like, he's, he's going to be in LA this weekend. He's like, why don't you, you know, I'll get some time and you can meet him. So, um, and th this is when CTN was going on. So they set up, um, a place over there where I could get in and, and, uh, have him pitch the film to me and, and, uh, and, you know, basically talk about it. So, so I met, uh, with Jorge and the art, the, the art director, uh, Paul Sullivan, he had his art there for this film too. And to be honest, I was completely blown away when I saw, I, I didn't know what I was coming into. <laughs> I just fell in love with like the, the first piece of art was this, this, um, gigantic bull in this ring with fire coming off of him. And, uh, and this little tiny figure, stylized figure, bullfighter. Uh -huh. Like, and you know, and then Jorge walks in the room and the, <laughs> it was so funny. Like never met him before. He just looks at me. And first thing he says, he's like, Bill, he's like, can you come to Dallas? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, he's probably one of the most infectious directors I've ever seen. Like, like you, you, he's such a great storyteller. Oh, that's awesome. He's one of these, these directors you just want to work for. You want to, you want to please him because you, you believe in him. You believe what he's saying. You believe in his stories. Um, you know, maybe he's lying to me all the time, but his stories were amazing that he tell. <laughs> you want to work for him. And, uh, uh, so, you know, I was pretty much convinced out of leaving that room, like, I went back to my wife was like, I think we should do this, this move. That's killer. So, yeah. It was really for book of life. It, it's such a passion project. That was when I really liked as well. Yeah. Just the, the style and visually, uh, how colorful and beautiful it was. So yeah, I really liked that one as well. And it was, it was challenging. The, uh, one of the things that was great, uh, about that project, Jorge really like he, he talked about, you know, cause he was, a, he, him and his wife were the designers of the whole world and mm. all the characters and he knew backgrounds, everything like the back of his hand. Um, but he put down the kind of the challenge that he doesn't want this to be, you know, an, like he doesn't want to get the art book for this movie and it not look like what the movie looked like. Which okay. Is the case in a lot of times, like you look you watch a movie and then you look at the art of book and it's like, well, you know, that looks really cool. I wish that was in the movie. Right, well, right. That he wants that to be in the movie. The art, the, he doesn't want the, um, what we do to compromise the designs. He okay. wants it to match. So he put that challenge down and we took it serious. Um, the, the main character has three blocks for his arm with that, with, with not really a defined elbow. Uh. Um, so we had the challenge of, you know, like, how do you make a, a guy with three blocks put his arms over his head? there's a lot of serious challenges in that movie that we had to figure out and uh i just loved it i i didn't really ever feel like we were limited to um you know these 
the, the challenges of the designs. We, we kind of just thought about performance and thought about how we can, um, you know, make it emote and, and believe in the characters. So now this one, you know, as you mentioned that real effects had free birds, but the book of life was kind of one of those ones that really put real effects on the map. As far as I would say a, a major player with full feature here. Yeah. What was it that you felt made this one unique and distinct for the, for that company? Well, honestly, I think it was Jorge's designs. Okay. I think it's so interesting of a look that we haven't seen before. I mean, it's, it, it's the same thing. Like what attracted me to, um, like cloudy and hotel tea, it was different than what you're seeing out there. Right. Your mainstream. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, I love mainstream animation, but I, I'm really attracted to things that are a little bit different mm. and not, not the normal. I'm always gotcha. looking for, for those types of things. And I feel like this was, this was very different than anything we've seen. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the first, like when I first got to real effects and started on book life, um, we were still trying to work on even just style of the film. So I kind of took what I was, you know, some of my hotel tea kind of mentality and tried to make these characters move kind of quick and cartoony and see what that looks like. Uh-huh. How does that, you know, match with the film? So but we didn't really land in that style, but I, I love doing that. Don't necessarily let yourself be dictated so much by limitations. But gotcha. <laughs> Try to go with the energy of, of what the character needs to do. So, uh, was there any other challenges that you found on that that film? Um, other than trying to, like you said, the style versus with how they were designed. There was there were so many challenges. Like Zabalba, the main villain, hands uh-huh. all over his body, <laughs> design features all over the place, and trying to make something not look cluttered. Um, you know and maintain a cool silhouette all the time. Uh, it was pretty challenging. You know, there was always stuff that would get in the way or, or become a problem that you just had to deal with. And, and again, I think you had to think about it a little bit in a you know, 2D image sense. Gotcha. Trying to get that stuff right. And then do a nice, uh, we kind of landed with a more naturalistic uh, animation style, but still have that naturalistic performance within <laughs> these cool design characters. Yeah, so yeah. And then we had things like the uh, the main character's hair <clears throat> was this little curl thing that always kind of landed on the side of the head, but it never it didn't always look good if you turn his head to the opposite side. So we kind of did cheats where it was like Mickey, you know, kind of Mickey Mouse ears where it, we flipped it during the turn. Nice. Yeah, it was kind of cool to see. I know DreamWorks did the same thing on Peabody and Sherman. Um, where he had a curl or, or something on his head, and, and I saw him flipping it. I was like, "Oh, I know the paint." <laughs> that just perfectly magically right. <laughs> and you, even that was a little easier because they were a little more organic. Ours was a wooden character. So. <laughs> There's still shots. I'm like, ah, maybe just more or just nudged it a little bit more in the on the breakdown. Ah, but yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I love challenges like that. Yeah, you got to. Some of our instructors, I know some of our, even our feature animators, our alumni, Angelo Stacalina. Oh, yeah. I'm working with Angelo right now. Very cool. Yeah. He's one of our feature alumni. I know Andrew Ford was over there. Yeah. 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 Great. Andrew like, came in and I, I feel like that was a show that he probably proved himself on. Very cool. Yeah. is doing some wonderful stuff right now in uh, Google Spotlight. That's what I've heard. Um, 
obviously we'll get into to Rock Dog, but that was my brother Daryl Vasquez's first feature, and uh, but he mentioned just the the work that Angela was doing there at Real Effects, and just very impressed. Yeah, he sits um, right next to me, so I, I I cannot say anything bad about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to get him in our podcast. That'll be good. Like we literally just bought, like bought uh, brother and sister puppies. <laughs> <laughs> He loves corgis, and my wife wanted a corgi really bad. So Angelo found this corgi uh, breeder farm, and he's like, Bill, he's like, they have two corgis. Like, we could have brother and sister. <laughs> I was like, oh, and then my wife's birthday. I was like, okay, let's go. And awesome. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so now, uh, after Book of Life, Rock Dog. Rock Dog, yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, very unique uh, film. Like I said, that was it was neat for us because that was my, my brother. He went from Insomniac Games down in Burbank over to, to Real Effects to work on his first full feature. And so that was a neat one. We got to see it in the theater. And I got to tell you, I was it was one of those ones I was very pleasantly surprised. You don't quite know going into it much. I knew it had a bit of a rocky, not start, but finish to get to the theaters and stuff. So you just, you're never quite sure. Um, but when I actually got to see it, I was very, very pleasantly surprised. I thought it was really neat. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. They, um, I, I don't know if I've had a film with quite so many challenges. Okay. Um, that we're involved. So it's, it's, I'm thankful to hear you say that. Yeah. Um, kind of the rock dog journey started for me all the way on uh, early in Book of Life. Well, not early on Book of Life, but midway through Book of Life. Uh, rock dog was actually over at Sony. And uh, I, I remember in, I was sitting in, in Book of Life dailies and I see a text pop up on my my phone and one of my Sony friends was like, Bill, what are you guys doing over there? What's, what's going on? Or, well, in not so kind language, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, what? I was like, what are we talking about? He's like, he's like, he's like, you guys stole rock dog from us. <laughs> and I was like, what, what is rock, you know, what is rock dog? And blah, blah, blah. And so uh, find out it was over there. I think it was over there for front end, but not okay. uh, back end. And, um, and they want I think they wanted the whole film in one studio and somehow it landed over here. I'm sure there's a lot of craziness of how that actually landed here, but because um, Ash was the director on that one, right? Yeah, Ash was the director and uh he wasn't the only person I uh, I worked with over at Sony. Don Clark was the head of layout um on Rock Dog also and he was uh he he worked with Ash on uh, Surf's Up and was responsible for a lot of the camera work and the uh the water uh, effects that were going on. So it was really great to reunite with both those guys. Very cool. Um, I had, I had gone out to our Santa Monica studio to work with some of the guys on uh, book of life. And Ash was actually in the studio there developing a uh, storyboarding rock dog and, and working with editorial there. And, and I remember talking to him, this was way before I got on the show, um, you know, just, you know, cause we hadn't seen each other since surfs up and, you know, talked to him and he, he showed me some sequences from rock dog. And I, you know, told Mom, I can't wait to, to work on it and all that. And, and honestly, I was only going to be supposed to be an animator on that show, um, which I was kind of actually looking forward to. Um, <laughs> and also, the uh, at, I think um, Rich McBride was uh, signed as the anim director on on that originally. And I remember when I first came to to Real Effects, when I told all you know a lot of my friends that I was coming. I had a, a lot of my friends from Pixar were like, Oh, you're, you're going to get to work with Rich McBride. You know, he's there and you know, he's great. And, and I was always looking forward to working with Rich and, and uh, 
he wasn't on Book of Life, so I, I didn't. I, I knew him at the studio, but I didn't really get to work with him. Huh. And, I, and I knew him on a personal level, you know, from being here. And he was awesome, but I, I was looking forward to working with him. So I remember being um, at lunch with some friends here, and I remember bragging. <laughs> it was the stupidest thing I, I probably did. <laughs> bragging about like, oh, you know, gonna start a rock dog soon, and. Um, I'm just going to animate. I haven't done, you know, you know, you know, no more supervising, no more dealing with people or <laughs> notes or anything. I can just, you know, lay back a little bit for and just animate during normal work hours and not on the weekend. <laughs> so I can't wait. And, and literally was bragging like that. And then I, I come back from that lunch. Artist management calls me into an office and says, Hey Bill, um, Rich is actually leaving the studio to pursue some, some other wonderful things. And we want you to um, be the anim director on rock dog. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was tapping into your, your phone or your lunch combo. Yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't take that lunch, I guess. <laughs> so, so, you know, um, uh, of course it's Ash. So I'm, I'm, I'm immediately stoked and it's like, yeah, of course, whatever, you know, whatever you need me to do. I'll uh-huh. Billion. Um, so, you know, uh, so I jump, you know, head in. Uh, one of the things with Rock Dog was that it was a little bit more in the lower budget side. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a little bit of a mentality of, you know, well, let's just kind of get this done and, and um, uh, you know, um, you know, we'll just get through and move on to whatever the next feature is. But I'm not that type of person. Like, whatever with you. Is, and and I've worked on some crappy stuff, you know. In my past. So <laughs> I whatever I work on is I am putting a hundred percent. I'm putting a hundred and ten percent. I love it. Make it way better than what anybody wants it to be. So or can afford it to be, I guess. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I've I've built my career doing that. I've always put. I've never like half-assed something. Like I I I'm, if I'm in, I'm in. I'm not an in-betweener. I'm I'm either doing it or I'm not doing it. Cool. So, I felt I gathered everybody up and I and in on the animation team and I was like, look, anybody who thinks this is a cakewalk, wrong. This is what we're gonna do. And and we're gonna treat this like Zootopia. You know, and that's basically what I did. You know, and, and I think it needed to be done. I think I think um, you know, it could have easily, you know, been a you know, a not so well animated film if I if I wouldn't have. So uh. um so, uh, so I went all in and, and woman well, plus I didn't, you know, I know Ash and John from before the last thing I want to do is, is disappoint those two guys. Right. Right. So, okay. So let's go into some of that here then for you, what were some of the things that you were looking to do as a supervising animator on a, on a show that had a lower budget, but you're still wanting to, to reach that high target. Right. So um, so that was, that was some of the challenge. That was probably one of the biggest challenges that I ran into. Okay. How do you ha- get, how do you get a, a super high quality product with limited resources, limited budget? Um, right. so I'm a guru at trying to figure out a puzzle of casting bid days and, you know, all that kind of, and scheduling. Like, and I, I really take that serious and think of that as a game. And I, I feel like some of the, the wastes in, um, uh, I don't know. I guess, yeah, some of the ways that can happen when, when you're working on an animated film can be because you miscast someone or, 
you know, you don't give someone enough time or you give someone too much time. Those, you know, those type of scenarios. Like, so I, you know, I really try to plan and schedule that as close as I can. Because my goal is, is I want to get as much juice out of that orange or <laughs> that fruit that I can. Right. I feel like there's, everybody has a certain amount of talent in them and I'm going to get every drop out of that as I possibly can into that pot and make it the best it possibly can in the time that I have. So that's my, that's the puzzle. And how do you do that with a whole feature full of, of shots? So you, <laughs> have to, you have to game plan. And I, you know, I have strategic methods that I, I use to, to kind of figure that puzzle out. That's even before we start casting the shots out, you know? So I, I, I spend a lot of time taking that serious and try to figure mm -hmm. out what's the best plan of attack on this. So that was the first part. Um, second, making sure I know what Ash is looking for, the director. I, I have always prided myself on, you know, even when I'm animating, I feel like there's two people you really need to please if you want to be successful on a show. You gotta, you gotta make sure you're doing what the director wants and, and you need to be doing what the anim director wants. Like those two people, you really have to make sure you're on the same page with, um, or you know, you're not going to probably have so good of a show. So, so um, I spent a lot of time with Ash early on, just trying to figure out what his vision for the film was, what his vision for the characters are, um, and stylistically, where are we going? You know, with the, with this. So now, what's the difference for you on the anim director versus your role, which is supervising animator? Oh, for Rock Dog? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm just calling it, it's the same name. It's like, the same, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I didn't know if that was, because some studios have different yeah, terms I mean, and stuff like that, so I didn't know if that was. Like head of animation or animation director, or animation supervisor, usually the same thing. Okay, gotcha. A lot of times studios don't want to use the word director. Like animation director usually isn't, sometimes it's used, but but I feel like a lot of times they, they don't want that to be confused with the actual director. Right. Right. Okay. A lot of places. So I think, yeah, real effects, we, um, animation supervisor or head of animation is usually the, the top animation person. Okay. Um, so yeah. So getting on the same page with, um, with the director was, was super important to me and defining kind of animation style. What are we going for? So, now, was that challenging at all? Because you were in Dallas. Is Ash, was Ash in California here, or did he travel back and forth? Or he would he would travel back and forth. But we had a pretty good system um, in our Santa Monica studio. Okay, we had, we've had a team there um, with a lead, you know kind of an animation lead there, and um, uh, so we would always be communicating anyway with that studio, uh, giving notes uh, through video conference, and then Ash would you know, do his directing from there or um, probably at least once a month, he would come out here to Dallas and spend at least three or four days and, uh, and interrupt from here. So it was, it was either, or he spent more of the time in LA, but it was back and forth. Okay. It was great. It was a treat when he was here. Um, <laughs> video conference always does have some, its challenges, but we were in pretty good communication. You know, if there was ever, ever a question, it was easy to text him or call him or whatever. And, and, get answers so now was there any additional challenges on this movie having it uh i guess be financed from another company particularly not american for those um, who don't know it was financed by another company that is in china yeah the there was a, the production studio mandu or the uh um yeah yeah the studio was uh, mandu pictures who was well i guess they weren't distributing it they were they were pretty much the studio 
financing it. Uh-huh. Um, they, uh, they didn't really give us challenges in animation. It was kind of after animation was finished is when um, the challenges with the, that studio started to happen. So we kind of, we kind of wrapped up animation and then they were working on lighting and then they're, I think Mandu was working on the distribution and there was challenges and um, that that's kind of when some of the trouble with that film started. Gotcha. It released, but um, it released in China and then there were some issues with um, I think the production company and uh, one of the distributors. I don't know. There was, I know Cartoon Brew did a bunch of write-ups about it. (laughs) Probably are, more educational than what I can tell you. But uh, but then eventually it did, I think, was it Lionsgate, I think, picked it up and they did release it here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Um, a few months ago. So it was great to see it finally released. Yeah, for sure. Now I got to ask you here, uh, maybe this, I don't know if we can divulge this, but we'll, I'll throw this out there anyway. <laughs> My brother said he was, uh, he was surprised at the uh, opening sequence that it had changed. Ooh, yes. Um, yeah, that was a sequence that always kind of went through a lot of changes. Okay. Um, I wasn't surprised because Ash had told me that, about it uh, before it was released. Okay. Um, and I have my speculations. I never really – next time I see Ash in person, I'm, I'm going to ask him a little bit closer about it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but, yeah, the pretty much the first – a big majority of the first act was to change to 2D. And so yeah, yeah. My brother said it felt like it sped it up better. So that yeah. he, he was like, the pacing was way better. I felt yeah. like it did change the pace and, and improved it dramatically. Right. Um, you now, know, did real effects have any hand in that in the 2D? No, not at all. Okay. That was, that was after it was already delivered. Okay. But there was some things that happened. I know um, that Ash was not involved with um, in the delivery from real effects to Mandu. So. I don't know if that played a part in this. Okay. Yeah. I, like I said, there's a lot of speculation. <laughs> and um, it, 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 honestly, for me personally, it was a little bit awkward because I'm dealing, I feel like I'm in between two, I'm in between, I'm, I'm in between the company that I work for and one of my friends who's directing the movie. <laughs> and a little bit at odds and, you know, how do I, how do I play nice with both sides? Both sides. <laughs> And I try to understand what's happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was it was definitely an interesting situation. <laughs> <laughs> now, what were some of the fun things you got to work on this about this show? Oh, for Rock Dog? Yeah. Um, you know, just some of the animators, like like you know, your brother Daryl. I got to kind of um, I looked at his reel and kind of got a chance to recruit him, and he was one of my my surprises uh well i should be a surprise because one of the one of the, i i love um uh the work that insomniac does and i always like the ratchet and clank games mm. i saw that in his reel and and you know i was i was like oh you know this guy looks pretty great he's some great stuff in his reel i love that type of work and then interviewing him i was like oh this this is the kind of guy we want here at the studio like i i look for people with um that can bring something to the culture of a studio you know, in a positive way and, and are excited about animation and um, can help teach and grow a studio. And, and, you know, he was one of those type of guys. So Very cool. Now you, you have to be a good animator, but you also have to have, you can't be a jerk, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's a nice um, compliment though. Yeah. But, but there was a lot of people like that, that, you know, we tried to bring in around that time 
and uh, and do the show. So it was, uh, I think, meeting because after Book of Life, a lot of people had left. I think that had come to Real Effects just for that show, and then moved on to other um, other companies and other shows. So we, you know, there had to be a recruiting effort to to do this one. And and then we brought people into the the Santa Monica studio to help too, like Jason Ryan that came in. Yeah, and that was a, a pleasant surprise because he's always been one of the people I've uh, admired his work a lot. Just great to work with him. I wish I could have worked with him more actually. Good late and, and uh, did great work. He did some great two D stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awesome. You know? Well, it was a neat, it was a definitely a treat for my brother. Um, he mentioned you know because he's the one who had trained him and I, and uh, then obviously went through uh, I animate, and yeah. uh, my brother to be I think he said there was a dailies where one of my brother's shots got approved, and all of a sudden off camera and into camera it's Jason rolling in on one of the roller chairs and has a big thumbs up. So it was just, it was cool for him. He's just like, Oh man, this is killer. You know, I'm getting to work on a show with my mentor, you know? So. Oh yeah. <laughs> any, any fun surprises in that show that maybe uh, shots uh, that just really were like, man, that, that nailed it. Or. Uh... Um, feels like it's, it's been so long ago. It was, it was weird when it, when it came out too, because there was a gap between when we worked on it and when it came to theaters. Yeah, yeah. I kind of stopped thinking about it for a little while. And then as soon as I watched it on the screen, all I could think of, and this happens every time I work on a movie, especially for a long time, where I only see it by the, what happened during the dailies and whose shot that is and the, you know, what was going on at that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But there, yeah, there was, you know, one of the one of the things that was great about Rock Dog is I spent a lot of time. Um, I pretty much supervised a lot from my desk and had a, a big Cintiq. The uh, the art director from Book of Life had left the studio and I kind of took his space and he had a, a really you know nice huge Cintiq that I was able to inherit and I pretty much spent all my time supervising just drawing over people's shots. Oh, that's and awesome. Doing what we did in Hotel T, where um, you know people with their shot up there, and then I just look for ways I can improve the pose or improve the design of the motion going through the shot or whatever, and just do drawovers all the time. So I, you know, Daryl will tell you too. I, I spent a lot of time. I've just come in early, you know, six o'clock till nine when animators start coming in, and just okay, I'm just gonna. How can we make this shot better? What can uh -huh. we do? Can we this pose be better, or this facial expression be better? And uh, yeah, that's awesome. Because I was actually going to ask you about your 2D background, how that's helped you in your career. But that's a perfect example right there. Yeah, yeah. And then we would do that in dailies too. And, and Ash did it too. Like we would, we had Cintiq set up in our dailies room here in Dallas and then in, um, in Santa Monica. And, you know, during director dailies, Ash would, you know, draw over the shots. And it was funny because he would draw the main character, Bodhi, a little bit differently, more in a 2D sense than... Um, than what he actually looked like as a 3D model. But he still <laughs> you know, this is the expression he's looking for. This is the, the emotion he's looking for. You got the essence from it, huh? Yeah. In the same sense of, of some of the Sony shows I worked on, on the Rock Dog, there was three big things that I tried to push. I tried to push the design sensibility as much as we possibly could. That would still fit in Ash's world, but can we get a design to the motion? Can we do, get a design to the pose and, and make the strongest statement we possibly can? I was really looking for that. I was looking for a level of exaggeration and caricature to the animation. And that I had to find the line with Ash. I know there's a couple shots that I, I, do, I did draw overs on top of people's shots that were 
pretty far. And I wanted to find out where Ash's line was, you know, like, what, what's, you know, what's, uh-huh. even like Hotel T, I remember Gendy telling us, you know, when's an animator going to make me feel uncomfortable? There's <laughs> a guy who's you know, out of control. Like, and then finally one day this, you know, Vancouver animator, he put up this shot of Frankenstein that was, that Gendy admitted, he was like, okay. He's like, that's too far. <laughs> <laughs> pull it back so I, I you know on this show i i wanted to see where that line was with that and and you know and we found it so i would you know to, to understand where that line of exaggeration i, I hate to call things car- cartoony because I, I think cartoony is a bad word i think it's exaggeration in character is a much better word because cartoony can go into different things that aren't even correct you know for example like if you look at a Preston Blair's book, which I, I think is a great cartoony type of animation. Well, his, his book is cartoon animation. And <clears throat> he does an example of squash and stretch in there on the head of a character. And he describes in there how, well, the eyes and the skull doesn't really have to stretch. It's, the, it's what's going on below it. And, it, and it, really that's just an exaggeration of, um, of, of a stretch it's it's there is still it is still grounded in some sense of reality so maintaining integrity of the skull in a squash and stretch of a head was even important to Preston Blair back then and, and I think it's here like it's easy for us in animation just to stretch the whole head that's not really correct in cartoony it's an exaggeration of, of what happens with the stretch you know it's it's more in the, the bottom the muzzle area and all that kind of stuff right so um, so I always try to use that word exaggeration and caricature rather than cartooning and then the force and energy of a shot. Mm. Like, like I, I wanted, like really looking at the forces, um, and where's the energy of that character and, and are we getting enough energy out of it? You know? So that's great. So those were some of the things I really looked for. Well, that and kind of started this on rock dog and, and I'm, I've been pulling this into a lot of the shows I'm working on lately, but, um, looking at, animating kind of emotions rather than just you know expressions it's easy to get i think a lot of times to to get your animation um libraries and look for cool expressions that'll fit the dialogue that you're working on but you're kind of missing the mark if you're not thinking about the emotion that is driving that expression okay so animating things through the emotions of the character you know rather than you know just searching for expressions that match i think it's that can be a, a quick uh, a pitfall in the acting a lot of times. Very cool. Okay. No, that's good stuff. So. And now um, you mentioned you're doing a little VR. Can we talk? A, oh, about yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. Um, man, that's, that's, you talk about a challenge. <laughs> First off it's Jorge. Um, so uh, it's a Google spotlight series and Jorge Gutierrez, who's a life, you know, director, it's the same design sensibility. It's wrestling, which you would love. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're talking extreme wrestling with giant characters uh-huh. that, um, uh, you know, just pretty much go for it. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Washed up wrestler who is basically the, you know, kind of the Rocky story of, of trying to come in and prove he still got it. Awesome. That sounds great. <laughs> so now what's been some of your challenges now working in VR? Well, um, to start with, it's the camera. The camera, um, and my gosh, every day I feel like I'm, I'm giving a pep talk to the animators because uh, you, you, know, you kind of start with VR and you, you get cameras 
and then you start to build a performance and then layout decides, well, you know what, maybe we can put the camera here instead, or we can put it here instead. And you really, it's been super challenging in that, you, you know, your instinct, you want to animate to a camera uh -huh. and you want to get that perfect performance for the camera, but you can't do that in VR because all the viewer, the, the, the camera is controlled by the viewer. So all the viewer has to do is take a step left or right and boom, your silhouette's gone. <laughs> it's kind of screwed. <laughs> your line of action might not look as good. So um, I, I've been really, including myself, because uh, I'm animating on this too. Oh, cool. Um, is, uh, is trying to figure out the perfect performance, not the, the perfect, not the perfect, perfect performance to the perfect camera, the perfect performance that we can take a camera almost anywhere and it'll still look good. Wow. So that's the challenge behind it. Um, it's kind of like a turntable, you know, yeah. turntable pose. Well, that looks great from your camera, but what, what if you turn it 360? Does that still look good from every angle? Right, right. So have you had to adjust on quota? For, you know, a shot should take X amount of time. Well, now you're dealing in a different realm where you're going, I can't just animate the camera and know that I'm good. I have to animate to this 360 turntable. Uh, yeah, I mean, the budget's not as great as I would love. Okay. <laughs> um, I bid it out initially towards um, what we would do is if we were doing a just 2D feature film and then adjust slightly for that. Um, as camera changes are added, yeah, there's a rebidding process that's been happening. Okay. Um, so that, that's been pretty nice, but it's still, it's never, it, you know, I, I, I see their face, I see it in their eyes. They're like, well, we're going to actually move the camera just a little bit over here to the center of the ring instead of the corner, you know, but, you know, you might just be able to shift your characters a little bit this way and blah, blah, and then... I see the depression hitting. <laughs> you just gotta animate to that camera, animate that performance. You know, I, I, I know like um, I heard an interview with Quentin Tarantino and he was talking about Kill Bill and how he was trying to stage um, some of the fight sequence. And he was talking about how he put cameras all over the place and then picked his edit later. Huh? And um, I thought that was really interesting. It's a, you know, kind of a different way of working. And I feel like that's kind of what we're doing in, in this VR where we're, we're trying to create a, a great performance. Um, but you should be able to look at it almost from anywhere and enjoy it. I don't know if we'll talk about this or not, but we are something I don't think we've seen. Um, we're doing a kind of a tabletop version of the entire short that they're going to release where you could sit at like a star Wars, um, chess game where you oh, wow. the whole thing. And it's amazing. Every time I brought someone in to look at, we did a version of it, you know, even though we're in progress animation, every time I bring someone in to see it, they're just, they're blown away. It's That's like, awesome. It's like a little dollhouse. <laughs> it's killer. Oh, I just want to pick up that little character and put him in my pocket. You know? <laughs> That's <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, it's, it's really incredible. And then it makes you think about the way you're animating it too. So. That's great. Yeah. Now, did you get to pick the team that was animating? Um, to some degree. Okay. Uh, yeah, I certainly was strategic about casting. That's another thing I do when I'm casting. I, I try to find out people's skill set, what they're good at. Like, it's the same thing, like, where I'm trying to find everybody has certain talents towards certain things, and I want to exploit that as much as I possibly can. Okay. So, I know even on Rock Dog, I had an animator that I know is a, was a good animator and fast animator, and they were struggling a bit. And I pulled them aside, and I was like, okay, dude, 
what's the deal? What are you, like, I know that you're good already. You don't uh-huh. have to do anything to me. I know that you're, you're good and you're fast. Where am I hitting? Where am I missing the mark here? What's going on? And he's like, well, he's like, Bill, to be honest with me, you're casting me these action shots and he's like, that's not necessarily my thing. He's like, I'm more acting and more like medium shots. And I was like, oh, really? I was like, why am I only hearing about this now? <laughs> and I was like, all right, well. And then I, I started casting him, um, you know, a medium close-up acting shot. And he just, boom, nailed it right away. And gotcha. Had, you know, half the bid taste that I gave him. I was like, man, why didn't I do this before? And then all of a sudden, you know, he just started flowing. So, um, so even with this short, this short is different where it, it's not just one trick. It, it has its subtle moments and then it has its extreme action moments. And then with serious exaggeration, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, heartfelt moments. So um, I, I try to look, even before casting the show, I'm looking for animators that are going to be able to accomplish that. Well, Bill, I greatly, greatly appreciate your time. This has been an awesome conversation. I love hearing the ins and outs. And like you mentioned, you're coming up, you're hitting your 20-year mark. And so it's always neat to talk with guys who have been in the industry for this amount of time in different positions here. So I really just appreciate your time. Oh, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely get you in another time. Um, Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Larry.